Welcome to the Revel This Podcast. I'm Rhonda, and I am so happy that you're here. So what does it mean to revel something? Well, definition says it means to take great pleasure in, not just pleased or even excited, but overwhelmed by joy over something. And that's what I hope you get out of each and every episode as we discuss all things pertaining to faith, that you would begin to be overwhelmed with excitement and joy about the things of God. So here we go. Let's revel this together. So if you're someone who is trying to grow in your faith this year, like you want to believe God, believe him for more, take him at his word, trust him for more, but you know, you still struggle with doubt. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Us too, all of us, every single one of us struggles with doubt in faith. And may I say it, if you meet a Christian and they tell you, I never struggle in my faith, I've never had doubts or asked God for proof. I can't say for sure, but I think they're lying to you. I think God leaves a lot of loose ends sometimes in order that we would continue to strive to know him better. Hey, even the disciples had moments of doubt, questioning Jesus as they daily walked with him and watched him perform miracle after miracle. Thomas said he needs to see the holes in Christ's hands before he would ever believe that he was raised from the dead. Peter, in a moment of weakness and probably doubt, denied Jesus three times before he was crucified. So I just want to let you know, when it comes to doubtful faith, you're in good company. Let me give you an example. And I know that my story is not your story, but I'm going to throw myself under the bus with this and just let you know, I too have struggled and still struggle with doubtful faith. Years ago, when I was going through a season of needing God to show me more of who he was, I needed to build my faith. I needed to trust him more. And I was struggling. My sister and I were having a conversation in my living room, and I had mentioned something in reference to loving flowers, love when people give me flowers, would love to receive flowers soon. The most amazing thing happened. Now, mind you, there was nobody else at my home, just her and I, nobody coming to visit me that day, no plans with anybody else. And I walked outside to take the trash out minutes later and on my car parked in front of my house was a bouquet of flowers sitting on the windshield, like under the wiper. In fact, I did a double take, like, am I seeing this for real? I grabbed the flowers, came back in the house And my sister's standing there looking at me like, where did you get those? I don't know. They were on my car. Now she knew there was no time for me to go buy flowers, plant them on my car, or barely any time for anybody else to put them on my car from the four seconds ago that I just mentioned wanting flowers. But somehow they were there. I like to call those moments God winks. You know, the moments in your life where you go, this couldn't have happened in the natural There's no way someone could have put these on my car. If they did, I would have seen them walk up to my car, which is right in front of the window in my house where we were having this conversation. But not only that, mind you, even though there was a slight bit of distrust that they could have appeared there on their own, no one ever did come forward to say that they put them on my car. Now, if this was a guy trying to be romantic or a friend 
wanting to just bless me with flowers. At some point, this person would have wanted me to know that they did it. No one ever did. Not only that, but even if some secret admirer had put them on my car, what are the odds of that happening right when I said that to my sister? So that small story of one of those miraculous things that God did, I think just to love on me and bless me has always stuck with me. So fast forward to many, many, many years later, going through a bit of a struggle, you know, those moments where you just feel like, God, I'm just doubting. Are you really even in this? Are you still here? Do you hear my prayers? I put a fleece out like the story in the Bible when Gideon got reassurance from the Lord when he wanted him to lead by putting out a fleece. And God miraculously made the wool fleece wet and then dry according to Gideon's request. Well, I thought, okay, God, you've given me flowers before. Maybe I can just ask you to do that again. Maybe that's what I need. I just need a little encouragement, Lord. And remember that time you put the flowers on my card? That was so sweet. Could you do that again? And so boldly, as it says in the Bible, I came to the Lord asking for him to put flowers on my car again. I said, eh, you know what? It actually doesn't have to be on the car. Any way that you want to give me flowers this week, that would be really awesome. And so I waited and the week went by and there were no flowers. It's not like I expected them to appear miraculously again, but I thought, eh, I don't know, maybe you go to dinner and there's some flowers on the table and the waiter even says, oh, here, take the rose or something interesting like that might happen. Nothing. I even went to a baby shower that week and I thought, "Mm, maybe they'll give us flowers as the baby shower favors. Nothing. Now, I know what you're thinking, Rhonda, you're really reaching here. Did you really need flowers that bad? No, I didn't need flowers as much as I needed God to show up and do a miracle again. I just wanted something that was unexplainable to happen. You know, a fleece that I can hold up and say, okay, this is a tangible, that God exists, he hears my prayers, he's with me on this, and here's my proof. So probably about a week later, I was out for a walk, and I was listening to a sermon while I was walking, and the pastor mentions doubtful faith. And he made reference to God as G-O-D, God on demand. The times when we ask God to do something for us, as if he's our genie in a bottle or God on demand, or hey, can you do this for me so that I know that you're real? Those kind of moments. And oh, the pit of my stomach dropped. I knew that's what I was doing. I knew that I was taking something that was really special that God did years ago, but I was asking him to perform it again or something similar in order that I could believe that he's real, that he was there, that he hears my prayers. And it made me sick to my stomach to think that I was asking God to perform like a circus animal for me. I knew that a loving God would never do that. He doesn't want my faith to be built just on signs and wonders and miracles. I knew what God was speaking to me in that moment, that he wants my faith to be built on just knowing who he is, trusting that, believing that, and even in doubtful moments, not having to have all the answers, not having to see things in order to believe. The most interesting part about that flower story was I never did get the flowers, at least not that week. But a few months later, as this was something that God was really helping me fine tune in my faith, faith without seeing, walking and believing without having to see what's in front of me, God did decide to bless me. It was the coolest way. God ended up giving me my flowers. 
Now, I know you're thinking, okay, on the car again? Is Are you serious? <laughs> no, it wasn't on my car. But follow this for a minute. I have this bush in my backyard and I planted it years ago. It's a hibiscus bush. And if you know what that is, that's a bush that produces the most beautiful tropical flowers. I happen to pick the bright reddish orange flowers and I bought it thinking, this will be amazing. I can sit on my patio and stare at these flowers and then it'll bring color to my backyard. Well, the funny thing about that bush is it never produces flowers. And I don't know why. I've walked the neighborhood, looked at other people's bushes going, why is everybody else's hibiscus bush blooming? And mine is actually losing leaves. But a few months after this prayer for flowers and God not giving me the flowers, it was the end of the year. So it's winter. And one morning I get up, I look outside and my hibiscus bush had 10 flowers on it. 10 Not one, not two, which is probably the most that I've ever seen on that bush since I had planted the bush over five years ago, but 10. Mind you, those flowers weren't there the day before. So overnight, in the winter, my hibiscus bush in Florida decided to bloom. I was so stunned that I actually took the time to look up, okay, when do hibiscus bushes typically bloom? You can look this up for yourself, but it says typically in the summer months into fall. What are the conditions that a hibiscus bush typically blooms? Hibiscus bushes need lots of sunshine and lots of water, but not too much water. If there's too much water, the leaves will fall off the bush. This was January. In Florida, we had just gone through a cold front. We had tons of rain, which would be considered too much rain, and no sunshine. This hibiscus bush bloomed 10 flowers. Call me crazy, but I knew that was my God wink. God did decide to bless me with those flowers, but he needed me to not need those flowers to believe and trust before he decided to bless me with them. So here's why I tell you that story. When you're going through moments of doubtful faith, I want you to know these things. The first most important thing that I want you to remember is that struggling with faith is normal. It's part of growing in your faith. To have sincere questions about everything you read in your Bible or everything you're told about God is a good thing. God is not mad at you for having questions or doubtful moments. That just means that you're developing a faith that is genuine and your own. Asking questions, talking to God, coming to God for things that you need or that you want is a good thing. But the thing is, God's never going to let your faith be dependent upon what you see and your needs being met. God wants your faith to be rooted much deeper than that. When you read the story of Job in your Bible, here's a story of a man with great faith, but he's also a man with great wealth and had a lot of things given to him by the Lord. He was blessed. So when Satan challenged the Lord and said, hey, what if we take this stuff away? Let's see what this man's faith is really made of. God allowed it. So when this man's life started falling apart and he loses everything except for his somewhat judgmental friends and his nagging wife, he begins to question God. Why is my life falling apart? And it feels like you're not showing up and doing anything about it. He gets to the end of his rope. And although he still believed, he begins to question God. God's response (laughs) He basically says, I'm not going to explain it all to you, but I will ask you a few questions. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Put the stars in the sky or told the sea where to stop. Clouds, how'd they get there? Light, where did it start? And darkness, where does it go? 
thunderstorms. Have you ever thought about those, how they started? And the list goes on and on. And Job's response, I loved just as much. He said, okay, I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. And surely I spoke of things I did not understand. He admitted, your ways are higher. You know everything. I don't. And I don't need to know everything in order to believe in you. And guess what? The Lord wasn't upset at his questions. The Lord was pleased with his response. So much so that the Bible says he blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. The moral of that story is struggling in faith, needing to see good things to believe good things about God. God understands. But guess what? He also understands that that's not what your faith can be built on. Everything going your way, understanding everything, being able to prove that God exists by the things that happen in your life, tangible things that you can say, look at all the miracles that God's done in my life. And that proves to me that he's real and proves to other people that he's real. That's what my faith is built on. Mm -mm. God's never going to do that. That's not real faith. Faith is believing and trusting in things when you can't see them. But I will encourage you, the story of Job shows us it's common to question in your faith. Pretending you haven't asked for proof or thought of questions that you were afraid you'll never fully get the answers to in your faith is actually showing shallowness in your faith. Being able to admit, I don't have this all figured out, but I don't need to. My faith is built off of a steady, strong, knowing that God exists, knowing that he has worked in my life and knowing that he will continue to do so. Questioning or looking for proof or answers is actually a wrestling that can eventually take you on a path to pursuing God more in a deeper faith. If you let God lead you, when you are looking for answers and praying to God for them, it's how God disciples you. He says, ask me. Ask me, I will tell you great and mighty things, things you don't know of. But sometimes I'm not going to tell you everything. And there will be many things in your faith that you won't know of. The second thing I'll say when struggling with doubtful faith, embrace curiosity like a child. You can stay curious and playful with God, having fun with him as he blows your mind with the things he can do, like flowers on your car. But you don't have to need proof that God exists to yourself or to anyone else by having God do things constantly to improve your faith. He doesn't have to perform for you. There doesn't have to be tangible things that you can hold on to and go, look, look, that's proof that God exists in my life because he did a miracle for me. Your faith can be a resting faith in knowing who you trust him to be based on the history of how he's worked in the world and how he's worked in your past. You can remember that one time that he put flowers on your car and then recall it the next time that you need a boost in faith without having him to have to perform a miracle again. You can go back and recount all the times that he has done miracles in your life. If you can't find any examples of that, if you have children, just look at your children. How did they get here? Do you know your child was born in your stomach and was able to breathe inside of you as if they were underwater before they were born. That alone is insane. You can also step outside. Look all around you. Look at the things that he mentioned to Job. The stars, the sun, the ocean, the clouds, the rain. Rainbows alone blow me away. That can be your sign of his wisdom and his presence and his miracles that he's performed. He's already put you on a rotating earth 
and keeps you there by gravity. It's unexplainable. If you start to doubt, do a deep dive on it all. How'd this stuff get here? There are no scientists that can make a sound argument of how we all got here. No proof has been given of the ridiculous claim of the Big Bang Theory. That's why it's called a theory. Childlike faith is always open to learning something new of God. He's not going to tell you and show you everything up front, day one, that you believe. It's a process. It's how he disciples you. Sometimes he's going to blow your socks off with flowers on a tree or flowers on your car. Other times he's going to ask you to walk in blind faith. He's going to say nothing. He's going to be still and quiet. And he's going to require of you to dig deep in your faith that's rooted in who he is and be able to be secure in that. That's the process of sanctification. And that doesn't end. That'll be throughout your lifetime. Finally, what I'll say, what to do with doubting faith is get with wise people in your life that can help uplift your doubting moments. We were never meant to do this life alone. It's why God says in his word that two are better than one. And when two or more are gathered together in my name, it's a good thing and God is present. You'll find comfort in struggling when you realize you're not the only one who goes through doubting faith. And you'll find comfort in others when they admit they don't have all the answers either. Stay away from judgmental Christians who are going to make you feel like your faith is not strong enough if you're questioning things or having doubtful moments with God. What kinds of friendships that you need are friendships with people who can acknowledge the struggle is real, but also encourage you with stories of God's faithfulness in their lives. Friends who can acknowledge the doubt, but also don't let you sit there in doubt. They can encourage you by sharing their stories, just by hearing how God showed up in their lives or how God gave them peace in times when they doubted and maybe felt like God wasn't showing up in their lives. That's true encouragement. Find people who confirm that your faith can handle hard questions, but someone that can say, hey, wait a minute, let's look at what God says here. Let's see. He says this, or here's how he worked in the past in my life. I'm going to pray that God would encourage you with those things. And someone who would actually do that, pray for you to be encouraged by the things of God. Faith doesn't depend on the ability to answer every single question. And you don't have to answer every single question for anyone else about God. And I don't think on this side of heaven, we ever will. If your brain needs a logical reason to believe, you can search out plenty of books, plenty of podcast pastors that will give you rational reasons for believing in Christ and even archaeological evidence. You might find temporary reassurance in that, and they might even help you make sense of some of the harder questions of God. But you're eventually going to come up against a limit. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how much research you've done on the history of the Christian faith and who Jesus was and the history of the world. Logic and reason is still going to fail you. There are things, loose ends, that God left loose on purpose. I will say that logic and reason will always put you up against a wall if you're looking for that to explain to you your faith. At some point, the only proof that you're going to have in your bag is your faith. And I think that God wants that to be stronger than any proof he can provide for you. The Bible talks about that, that blessed is he who believes that has not seen. Believing with not always having to have proof or to see things that are tangible, those are the people that will be blessed. So this year, I just want to encourage you 
If you are full of unanswered questions about God and you feel like a train wreck sometimes because you're wondering, how is my faith not stronger than this? Why am I still having doubts or questions or why do I still feel the need to have God prove himself to me in order that I can truly believe? Pay attention to that feeling. It might just be a feeling that God's allowing you to sit in in order that you would begin to discover him in a deeper way, that you would go after him harder that you would dig deeper in your faith and be rooted in truth versus what you see. Don't give up on believing just because you can't see. But just remember, sometimes the proof of what you need is already right in front of you. And when God speaks, he tends to speak in a whisper. Well, that is it for today. And as always, if this episode encouraged you, share it with someone else that you know might need to hear it. My hope and prayer for you is to always encourage you and to continue to get you to revel in the things of God. Until next Tuesday, my friend, have an amazing week and see you back here next week on the Revel This Podcast. Revel This Podcast.